Hello, trading friends, and welcome back to the Tasty Live Network for yet another edition of In This Economy. I'm Frank Caberna, your host on the Wednesday guided tour of our economic organism, all of the shifting cogs in the economic machine shifting here today. Um, really evolving throughout the day, actually. We had uh, mostly inside stuff to start the U.S. session, and then by the end of it, stocks were bad, interest rates were good, and a whole mess of other things going on. Commodities, for the most part, green on the day, and Forex starting to see a little nuance there. We're actually seeing, in my mind, nuance between stocks and bonds and then forex and forex it's no longer this uh what we talked about when the show started uh, about a month ago which is interest rates high stocks low dollar high now you're getting a mixed bag uh, whereby we have interest rates back to their highest i don't know if you, you all noticed this it's been kind of a sneaky move uh short-term interest rates back to their highest projections that we've had in the last several years, at least the last five to 10 years here, I think it's for uh, more than the last decade, as uh, short-term rates, the two-year rate is uh, back above uh, 4% here, well above 4%, and projections for Fed funds rates uh, above 5%, well above 5%, uh, and stocks lower on the day, but not seeing as much price action to the downside, bearish price action, as you might expect. We're going to dive into all of it first. Let me hit you to the main segment for today, extending on yesterday's conversation around mean reversion. If you missed it, go check it out. Define the term and then speak a little bit towards what we might look to do with an idea like mean reversion. Today, we're going to really capitalize on that speak less to the theory and more to the practical aspect, what traders are using mean reversion for in scalping or swing trade short-term strategies, and then also in long-term strategies, because definitely a place for mean reversion and the old standard deviation that your friend Frank loves in scalping trades, intraday trades, but there might be a better case to be made for mean reversion uh, and uh, using standard deviations and, and these different things for a longer term trade. And when I say longer term, I'm saying more than a few, uh, anything longer than two weeks to me is a long term trade. Uh, and as long as a couple of years, uh, of course, uh, all of us have had positions on uh, defending options, futures, and outrights uh, for. That period of time. And then we're also going to get into some stock bond and euro sterling relations. Big relationship day here uh, in this economy. Let's speak to the relationships that are shifting today in our biggest movers in the stock market. Not a ton of green action. As you saw, uh, NASDAQ closed down more than 100 points and S&Ps closed down more than 20 points. Not a huge red day, but a red day indeed. JD, one of the um, only uh, green stocks on the day, up about 3%. Uh, I didn't do too much digging here. It has been more a story recently that 
the correlation between Chinese stocks like JD.com and Baba and so on have been pretty highly correlated. Um, the correlation has gone to one as volatility has picked up in China more than it has here in the U.S. And so maybe a JD-specific story, maybe a China story. Either way, nice to see some green for those Chinese stocks that got beaten up pretty bad uh, in recent trade. And then speaking of a stock that's gotten beaten up pretty bad the last year or so, just when you thought it was safe for Rivian, down 20% here today. Um, if you've watched the show, you know that I've, um, one of the weird stories that Frank is uh, enamored with uh, for no good reason really is the, the, the closing and the widening of the gap between Tesla and other EV stocks. And um, you got the feeling in the first couple months of the year here as Tesla rebounded hard and Rivian and Lucid and, and other uh, EV stocks did not, that this might be the year that Tesla really, uh, so to speak, ends its competitors. And a day like today, definitely not making those EV competitors feel good. I mean, Tesla is down. I think it was down three or four percent, um, but Rivian losing another twenty percent on top of last year's loss of, I think it was eighty percent, um, and not being able to bounce back in the early part of twenty twenty three as as well as Tesla. Uh, a lot of bearish signs, even on the upswings, not doing so well here in Rivian and on the downswings, doing much worse multiples of Tesla. We'll see if that gap continues to widen. Um, if so, the question will become less, uh, uh, can Rivian and Lucid make a comeback? If that goes out the door, it'll just become, uh, if Tesla is the only devoted EV stock in the space, of course, other car manufacturers have their own line. Um, will that be enough to propel them back to their uh, prior heights of $300 to $400 a share as these other stocks uh, continue to lose ground and lose relevance, uh, frankly? Now, in the commodity space, not I couldn't find a single red commodity of our major commodities here. I'm sure you could find something if you're looking at like hogs or, or some random stuff that I am not too interested in trading, uh, mostly green across the board. That being said, an inside day for commodities, our friend natural gas continues to rally. Um, this is a market dissimilar to Rivian where you thought this thing uh, was dead down below two and a quarter has rallied all the way back north of 280 and feeling primed to at some point here in the next uh, maybe couple of days or a couple of weeks at least get up to three bucks um feeling a lot different here in natural gas it's almost like it had to get out of winter to find some strength once again which sounds very weird if you've traded natural gas at all um, prior to the last 14 months have been kind of weird here for natural gas as it hasn't been as seasonal as it's been historically, um, then you would say to yourself, Frank, what the hell are you talking about? Natural gas tends to see big rallies and big falls in the winter. Now it's coming out of winter um, and it's climbed, what, from two and a quarter to almost three bucks. I mean, that's at least a 30% rise. Man, my math has gotten bad as I have been gone from university. 
so long. Forex world continuing to shift against each other, no longer U.S. dollar-specific stories. Of course, the U.S. dollar is driving a lot of action in the events that occur here, the data releases. And next week, uh, we have a lot of great data releases, um, concluding the week with our non-farm here in the U.S. But we've got interest rate decisions out of Australia, out of Japan, a lot of cool stuff next week. Not so many U.S.-specific stories this week, and we've seen some really interesting moves. Yesterday, it was uh, British Pound rallied really hard against the Japanese yen and then gave back all of it. Today, the euro is up almost a full percentage point, um, and the pound is down almost half a percentage point. That euro sterling that we're going to conclude today's show with uh, talking specifically to um, moving and euro getting back to its highs against the British pound. Really interesting move there. Make sure you're checking out Forex um, as it's, it's still one of uh, my favorite markets, very close, near and dear to my heart. But let's get into our main segment for today. How to trade mean reversion, my friends. Just a real quick recap uh, from yesterday's show. If you didn't check it out, go check it out. Uh, talking about the idea of mean reversion, what it looks like in the market, um, but not really speaking to some strategies that traders might employ around the concept. Today, I want to quickly run through what we uh, did yesterday, but then get straight to that strategy and how traders might look to trade it. First of all, Mean reversion is simply prices or returns for an asset moving away from, but eventually returning to a long-term average. And the simplest way to honestly, the, the way that I always think about this type of idea is look at interest rates here in the U.S., the 10-year interest rate, the benchmark, the S&P 500 of interest rates. Um, over the long term has been around 3%. A 3% average, uh, a 3% interest rate is is a pretty solid benchmark to put into any kind of uh, mathematical model or anything that you're doing in almost any uh, historical period. It's, a, it's just a solid average for that market. Now, that being said, over the last 50 years, you could find stretches of time where the 10-year was north of 10% in interest rate. Uh, you could find stretches where it was under 50 basis points, uh, extremely close. I mean, we got so close to 0% at one point uh, about two or three years ago that, that people thought we were going to hit negative territory for the first time ever um, in the recorded history of U.S. Treasury interest rates here. And, and that being said, where are we today? Um, I believe we're at like three and a half percent, close to 4% in that 10 year rate. Um, just a, a really great example of something that can get really high, can get really low, but essentially trades around that long-term average. Here in front of you, I have more of the, the idea um, that traders might lend mean reversion to intraday trading, to day trading or scalping, whatever you wanna call it which is to say the market that we're looking at here is the S&P 500. I've bucketed the last, I think it's three years of daily S&P 500 returns. And you can see that these are mainly focused around 0%. And 
of course, there are, are, are examples, we talked about this yesterday, of the S&P 500 having a plus 5% day or a down 7% day or a down 10% day or a plus 10% day. But those gray bars so small on the fringes, letting you know that happens for the last three or four years, a handful of times, probably less than 10 times have we seen an S&P 500 daily move outside of 7 or 8%. Uh, I, I would be willing to wager less than 10 times in the last three years. But those outliers occur. They're exactly named for this outliers. Where do we tend to look? We tend to look at the one standard deviation move, and a lot of people who are remembering options trading or use standard deviations in their options trading will recall, oh, that's about the 16 delta what are deltas again, friends? Those are percentage likelihoods that a market gets to the, those uh, strikes that the deltas are relating to. And so what's a 16 delta? That's a 16% chance that the market gets to those strikes and beyond. That's exactly the one standard deviation odds there. One standard deviation takes 68% of the possible outcomes here, the daily closes for the S&P 500, 68%, well, 100 minus 68% gets us 32. 32 cut in half is 16. Those are your two bounds, 16% past this boundary to the upside, past this boundary to the downside. And you can see here that about 68% or one standard deviation of the S&P 500's daily closes are within plus or minus 2%. What does that mean to a day trader who might be looking at S&P 500 futures, uh, looking to scalp them, you know, buy them when they're cheap, sell them when they're expensive, vice versa? Well, when we get to the standard deviation markers, uh, when we're trading a market back and forth um, via futures or the outright stock or what have you, that's when things get interesting. And you can go one of two ways with this. You can be the contrarian or you can be the trend follower. Uh, trend followers will tend to see a move of if S&Ps are up 2% or two and a quarter, two and a half percent, say, hey, we're in the midst of an outlier day. I'm going to ride this thing up to plus 3% or plus three and a half percent, so on. And they'll buy that up day or sell that down day if the market's down two, three, four percent, go with that contrarians, and I tend to be more in this camp, um, will tend to go against that, which, I mean, of course, at the end of the day, you make your own decisions. This is just uh, how Frank's mind works, and he's absolutely giving no recommendations. But probabilistically, if I tell you that a market the last several years has tended to stay within plus or minus 2%, 68% of the time, and we're now in the midst of a 3% rally or a 5% sell-off. Um, I'm probably going to buy that down 5% with the idea that this is a rare move. That's, that's a two-standard deviation move, which happens less than 5% of the time. 
I'm willing to bet that we're not going to see a super, super rare move. And so I'm going to go against that with the idea that the market's going to come back inside that standard deviation range. And the same with options traders who are selling those 16 deltas, right? They're selling the put in the call saying, I don't think the market's going to get outside of this. I don't think we're going to see an outlier for the next week or the next month or the next year, whatever time horizon you're looking at. And so hopefully if you're coming from options or you're coming from futures or this is all new to you some of this stuff is starting to click um of course you can have your own take on it but mean reversion standard deviations option deltas all these things are the same thing and uh if you've seen me before you know that i so love the standard deviation because it's baked into almost every facet of trading and now let's look at what a lot of people quote as the most mean reverting trade which is s p 500 volatility um, which is kind of a different way of, look, of looking at the same exact thing we just looked at which is there are outlier days in the s p 500 there's times like early 2020 where volatility is really high the market's really moving around but we tend to see those outliers they are so named very seldomly very rare moves and so a lot of people will get on the other side of those or try to ride them a little bit further because we're already in that territory always painting both sides of the story here on in this economy but the one standard deviation here in vix the s p 500 volatility is going to be around 30 to the upside 10 to the downside um, and if you're looking at uh, metrics like iv rank or what have you they'll tell you essentially the same thing, right? Which is like options are expensive when VIX gets above 30 and it gets in that rarefied air. Options are historically cheap when VIX gets down to 10% or 11% or below that. And you can buy or sell S&P 500 options in accordance with those standard deviation levels and mean reversion. So if I am a contrarian and S&P 500 volatility spikes to 35%, VIX gets to 40, 50, 60, um, I might be on the short side of option strategies like the strangle or iron condor, vice versa going for the long side of those option strategies if VIX dips below 10. I want to now speak to an outright market here that doesn't necessarily deploy options because you can do what we just looked at, um, which is trade options based off of mean reversion by looking at volatility and the price of options um, there and selling options when volatility is high, buying it when it's low. You can theoretically do that for any market. You could do that for options on crude oil. You could do that for options on the euro that we're looking at right now. But there are also some markets that can mean revert in their outright price. Stocks, we showed this yesterday, and, and I've talked about this so many different times, that stock prices do not tend to mean revert. The stock market will have crashes, will have big sell-offs every few years, but tends to drift higher. There's literally more than 50 years worth of data. If you're looking at the Dow Jones, more than 100 years worth of data that shows exactly that. Now, thankfully, another market where there's a ton of data, but we're only looking at the last several years here, Euro, USD, in currency markets, just like interest rate markets where we started off um, and where we will actually conclude today, 
you tend to see the same prices, the same uh, levels in the long run. You'll see periods where the euro is almost twice the value of the dollar. We saw last year, um, I believe it was the first time in over two decades that the euro was at parity with the U.S. dollar. But in the grand scheme of things, the euro tends to be about a dollar ten to a dollar and a quarter in this specific relationship against that U.S. dollar. And so, and now I'm just giving you here the mean for the last five years. Of course, you can go longer back in time, and that mean might be a little bit higher. But at some point, you're doing yourself a disservice to give yourself so much data. Let's just look at the last uh, five years or so. The average price, the mean in Euro USD, is about 110. So if that market gets above the one standard deviation, gets above 120, if I'm a contrarian, I'm maybe looking at selling that. You can see that we got up above 120, got up to 125 in 2017 and 2018, came back down, got down to a dollar even and below parity uh, at the end of last year, came right back up. That is what mean reversion looks like in the outright market. Last piece here, because I do want to, I mean, when a market is near its mean, uh, like Euro USD is now, although it's, I mean, if we get back down to 105 or, or 103, what have you, if you're looking at uh, an interesting trade there, I do want to leave you with a market that is pretty far from its mean right now, and that is the interest rate market. Here we have the two-year interest rate for the last, uh, what do I got here, like five, six, seven years. Um, oh, man, do I have more than that? Hold on one second. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Crazy, Frank. Um, got uh, <laughs> two decades worth of data here in interest rates showing you where that two-year rate has been. Uh, and trust me, friends, I wasn't lying at the early part of today's segment. Interest rates tend to live in that 2 to 3%. That's where the average has been for the last 20 years, looking at the two-year here, although I was alluding earlier to the 10-year, been as high as 5% um, back going into the financial crisis of 07 and 08, um, came crashing down to the mean or the average uh, in that 2 to 3% area, hung out there for a year or two, and then fell down to 0% for almost a decade. We were uh, below 1% there. So sometimes, especially in you know interest rate markets where the Fed can hold rates uh, quite low for an extended period, or if you go back to the 80s, um, interest rates were north of 10% for a while, this can be a longer trade. Mean reversion, the tough thing about it is anyone who's traded options or has traded interest rates or foreign exchange based off of mean reversion, the toughest thing is the timing. Um, but that being said, if you can get the timing right, if you can size appropriately, not get too large with your trades, maybe integrate some options selling against your positions to work that cost basis down, um, the mean reversion does tend to occur, at least historically, we've not seen an environment where interest rates have gotten up to four, five, six percent, uh, even gotten up to 10 percent and just stayed there, never came down. Uh, so this is what mean reversion looks like. And here in interest rates, seeing a market that is outside of its standard deviation currently. Now, let's conclude today's show with a couple quick hitters. Can only one win in the battle of stocks versus bonds? 
this has been, you can see up until the last two months, quite literally a mirror image, a direct inverse correlation of as interest rates rise, stocks fall, interest rates right back to those highs. The two-year just showed it in the long-term chart. Now looking at it in a shorter-term chart, right back to 5%. That is the high that we've seen in two-year interest rates for the last more than a decade. When we got up here last, the NASDAQ here looking at the ETF got down to 260 Right now, it's still sitting around 285, 290. Does this have to be, though, a case of one uh, being right and the other being wrong? Do stocks have to fall or interest rates have to fall at some point? Or are we at a new stage in the relationship whereby the market is lower because interest rates are higher, but we're more comfortable with this interest rate environment? Of course, if interest rates uh, spike up to, say, 6% or 7%, I, I think there will be a knee-jerk reaction of stocks moving lower. But interest rates getting back to these heights and stocks not selling off mean, to me at least, that the market's pretty comfortable with this, and it would take another jump in interest rates for stocks to move lower again. Or one of these is wrong, and stocks will either fall or interest rates will fall back. We will see. Only time will tell, friends. Uh, and lastly, can the euro beat the uh, the British pound market or sterling, if you will? Um, not at the heights that we've seen last year and in the early part of this year, around uh, 90 cents here between euro and pound. But the all-time high in this market is 95 cents. Have not seen parity between the euro and the pound as far as I have data uh, back for. And so this is really getting interesting to me uh, in terms of, hey, talking about mean reversion all day here, uh, the mean in this market closer to 85, 86, back up to 89. If we, uh, you know, might be interesting here already, but if we get back to 90, definitely interesting. Can you keep an eye on these Forex relationships? But I am out of time, my friends. Thanks so much for joining me for the last 30 minutes. It's always a good time here on In This Economy. Make sure you stay tuned here to Tasty Live, but I will see you back here tomorrow at 3 p.m. Central. Have a great trade, everybody. Peace. The content of this podcast is created, produced, and provided solely by Tasty Life Inc. and does not represent the direct views or opinions of any of its affiliated companies. This content is for informational and educational purposes only. It is not, nor is it intended to be trading or investment advice or a recommendation that any security, futures contract, digital asset, other product, transaction, or investment strategy is suitable for any person. Trading securities, futures products, and digital assets involve risk and may result in a loss greater than the original amount invested. Tasty Live Inc., through its content, financial programming, or otherwise, does not provide investment or financial advice or make investment recommendations. The information provided may not be appropriate for all investors and is provided without respect to individual investor financial sophistication, financial situation, investing time horizon, or risk tolerance. Tasty Live Inc. is not a licensed financial advisor, registered investment advisor, or registered broker-dealer.